Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, the Colorado Rockies Rod, uh, Colorado Rockies podcast for Purple Row, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Evan Lang, and joining me as always is Skylar Timmons. We can only use that intro so many more times. I think maybe once or twice more. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so if you guys don't remember from last week, we discussed a little bit the future of the podcast uh, mainly that SB Nation and Vox Media, our parent company, is uh, cutting funding for a lot of the podcasts on their websites, ours being one of them. Thankfully, we actually do have a solution in place. Uh, after February, we will be joining a um, startup network made of a bunch of the hosts from these abandoned podcasts, ones that Vox Media have dropped support for. Uh, so when our contracts end, which is going to be at the end of February, we should hopefully be able to move pretty seamlessly into the new one. This new group is going to be called Fans First Sports Network, and we are really looking forward to being part of it. It's a heck of a lot better than starting from scratch or having to go completely out on our own. So... Mm-hmm. We will keep you posted every step of the way, and when we have more information, you guys will get it. We'll still be able to post things on the Twitter account, and we'll still be uploading the episodes and posting links to them on the website as well. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to have you know, a lot of these guys. Shout out to our, our homie over with the uh, Amazing Avenue, kind of spearheading this, Brian, and kind of reaching out to all these other you know, the networks and letting them hop in on this, and so... We figured, hey, like you said, it's better than us trying to venture out on our own, you know, and go on some other weird route. So it's nice to at least have a conglomerate to try and get things going. 
Definitely. And what is really going to help on this is we are keeping our entire library. The RSS feeds and subscriptions should hopefully carry over pretty seamlessly. Uh, like I said, we'll keep you posted. But all of our episodes up to this point will still be available. Yeah, so you can always go look back at it's weird with sports podcasts because who those are like really timely. Yeah. <laughs> so are you really going to go back and listen to a podcast from September 2021? Probably not. Nope. But the option is there. Yeah. If you want to get the complete lore and all the inside jokes and you know, find out what happened to Mac and all that stuff. And we killed him. Or didn't wasn't there a plot line that you and Mac, like Mac was your son or vice versa? I'm I, pretty sure there's something like that. We might have I might have made that joke at one point. <laughs> you've completely lost me on that, so maybe. Who knows? Go back and listen to the archives to find out. <laughs> All the juicy affected by altitude lore. It's been it's been really interesting to see sort of how far we've come since we started the show as well. We have um been looking at a lot of our old metrics and things. It's been really great to see how much you all have supported us since um, we relaunched Affected by Altitude is the new show back in June of 2021. We've had uh, over 9,000 timely meme right there, over 9,000 individual downloads. And we average about 167, uh, 168 downloads per episode and we are super super thankful to everybody who's out there listening to us spreading the word and hopefully we can get even more listeners in this new network and keep the podcast growing because we really want to keep being able to provide this sort of content for everybody mm -hmm. yeah and hopefully with the the new move they'll be hopefully introducing you no know, the video format stuff maybe do live shows at some point when i can have non-garbage internet and have to do it at a separate location than where I live, oh, but tons of other stuff. And so we're going to keep growing, keep figuring out fun stuff to do. Who knows? I got to say, though, the location cool. you're recording from right now really works with your whole college English professor vibe you've got going on. Yes. If only I had an actual job so I could <laughs> live up to that kind of persona. I'm just saying the big blackboard behind you really helps. Yeah. I almost wrote something a la Woody Page, but I don't have any clever quotes to put up at the moment. Yeah, we don't do we don't do cleverness unaffected by altitude, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, with that out of the way, we might as well just go dive straight into things. And the first thing we really have to talk about is that Bud Black has been extended by the Colorado Rockies to continue being their manager through the 2024 season. This is going to make him the longest tenured manager in Rockies history by the end of his contract. So, Skyler, what are your thoughts about us extending Bud Black? Uh, more or less, I'm kind of indifferent to it because I think we've kind of come to expect with the Rockies and the way they operate, you know, their personnel and everything. It, they're more or less handshake agreements. It's your job till you don't want it anymore. And so it's not surprising that they extend Bud Black. They didn't want. It's the same exact thing they did a year ago, almost to the date. So February 8th, 2022, they extend Bud Black through the 2023 season. February 15th, they do the exact same thing through the 2024 season. So it, they love Bud Black, and I, I know the players love him. He's, he's a good players manager. He's well-respected around the game. 
And then the organization obviously loves him. Yeah, so kind of indifferent to it. it. It's good to keep them around, keep some consistency while they bring in this new crop of players and have Bud Black there to kind of help mentor them and guide them. Um, I know there's some that are disappointed that you're sticking with the status quo. No, it, Bud Black's going to be 65 this year, and so he's not a spring chicken. And I know that there may be some folks that continue or calling for the team to get a little bit more younger, you know, especially with management. You know, uh, coaching staffs and everything, but overall, I think it's it's fine. You know, Bud Black, he's a good, he's been good for the Rockies, uh, and he's a good company. Yes, he's a good company man, a good face man for the Rockies. He's likable. I think anytime I ever see an interview or updates about the Rockies during the offseason, it's Bud Black on MLB Network Radio. So uh, he's he's good for the organization, and as a manager, we have our nitpicks with him. He comes with his baggage like everybody else. But overall, it, I'm good. To, I'm fine with seeing Bud Black at least for one more year. But dude's got to retire at some point. He's got grandkids he needs to go hang out with. Yeah, it, it really is. It's basically his job until he doesn't want it anymore. The Rockies don't mm-hmm. really fire people. Yeah. Uh, they'll they'll tend to do the mutual parting of ways or whoever <laughs> they want to call it. And for what it's worth, at some point, I think Bud is probably going to step down. I don't know when that's going to be. But overall, I think he's a good manager for where we're at with this organization right now, where mm-hmm. he's very even keeled. He is a good clubhouse leader, and he's a good guy for people to learn from, especially mm-hmm. with, I mean, let's be be honest. This is not a team that's going to compete this year. The goal is yeah. 500, according to Dick Montfort. So, but as a, as a manager that with a team that's getting younger, if he can really focus on getting the younger guys playing time, and that has been a criticism of Bud, is that he tends to favor his veterans over the rookies and mm-hmm. be a good learning resource for the younger players and for third base coach Warren Schaefer, who a lot of people view as sort of the heir apparent to the managerial throne. Uh, Warren Schaefer just got promoted from manager of the AAA Albuquerque Isotopes up to third base coach for the Rockies. And he's going to need a guy to learn from. And I can't think of much better options than Bud Black. Uh, Bud Black has a 479 uh, winning percentage with the Rockies over six years, record of 417 and 453. So it's not like he's a terrible manager. And he he works with what he's given. He's not mm-hmm. necessarily going to elevate a mediocre roster to greatness, but he can get the best out of his guys, especially on a, a transitionary team like we've got right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing is – uh, this is something that Dick Monfort mentioned at that breakfast, that infamous breakfast that we've all talked about. But one of the comments is talking about how much they love Bud Black and they figure he wants to reap the rewards of the next competing team. And that's on the horizon. You no, know, 2024 is when you're expected to have like Zach Veen out there. Drew Romo's on the, on the cusp. You got a lot of pitchers coming up. And so I think Bud Black has sat with them since 2017, had those two coup quick two playoff years and then it's kind of been scarce these next four years but i'm sure that front office 
ownership and everybody telling him, no, it's coming. And I think he's excited about that. And he wants to be a part of that, which, which is good. You no know, a manager that has the back of his team. I think he's a, he's a loyal supporter and I wouldn't be surprised. You no, know, after he maybe steps down from being you no know, manager, you no, know, maybe the Rockies try to keep him around to give him kind of a, a special part-time role with the front office. You know, I could totally see them doing that as well. Uh, Clint Hurdle style. Yeah, exactly. Except it won't be as long in between. <laughs> well, because Clint Hurdle, I think, is 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 he roughly the same age as Buddy? I think so. Yeah, they're roughly around that 65 to 70 range. But he really, he kept being manager elsewhere. He was manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates until mm-hmm. uh, he was let go from them and then came right back to the Rockies and with the with the age that Bud Black is at and with managers tending to be trending younger, mm-hmm. it's a little harder to see the Rockies, you know, firing Bud Black or them mutually parting ways and then Bud immediately trying to go to another team to still manage. It's definitely possible. But I I do agree that, you know, as he's getting older and wants to spend time with his family, with his grandkids, you're probably going to see him you know, step into that kind of part-time front office role where he's going to have more free time with his family, but can still be really helping out with the team. Yeah. And and you look at his resume of where he played as a player and where he's managed and been a part of coaching staffs. He won't have a shortage of job opportunities if he doesn't want to keep managing, but take no family lives out in San Diego. Maybe he takes a job with the Padres type of thing. But either way, I, I think through 2024, will kind of be that Bud Black can get the ball rolling, get that first year with a new crop, try to help set the stage, and then hand the reins off to, you know, either an outside hire or maybe Warren Schaefer does take it or, uh, you know, Vinny Castilla takes it. (laughs) Somebody, whoever it is. But I think it's nice to just have the captain at the helm of the ship to try and lead the way and establish a culture of pitching and, and everything else. And there's definitely no shortage of potential candidates for who could take over. You know, like you said, Warren Schaefer, Vinny Castilla, you even have now, um, I'm interested to see where guys like Daryl Scott or Steve Foster go. Uh, Steve Foster, who stepped down as the team's pitching coach to be the director of pitching operations. Um, you even have guys who just are in the team like uh, Hensley, Hensley and Mullins, who, you know, we'll see how things go when his career with the Rockies as well. But mm-hmm. all we can really do is wait and see. It is really interesting, as you pointed out, that this happened at basically the exact same time as it did last year. So I'm really curious to see what else we do in between now and when the season starts, because we did do a couple of things. We signed in between this period of time and the start of the season last year, we signed Chris Bryant. We traded away Rymel Tapia and brought in Randall Gritchick. We made some other uh, free agent moves as well. So, so you're saying we should have had another lockout. That's uh, let's uh, <laughs> not get crazy there. Though, who who knows oh. with how the um, how MLB is handling things right now in terms of their what are they calling it? The Commerce Committee that they announced today? secret secret committees. Their secret combinations. <laughs> Because basically all of the other owners are mad that the Padres and the Dodgers and the Phillies and the Mets are spending money and they don't want to spend that same money. That and the the sports channel company possibly going bankrupt. Oh, yeah. That's going to upset a lot of revenue. Diamond Sports Group and Valley Sports. Yeah. So 
Dick Monfort, our fate is in your hands once again. He is on that committee. Well, I mean, you can't even watch AT&T Sports Network anyway, so. No, no. If you have Dish <laughs> Network, you can't even watch it. So, And it came out that AT&T Sports Network was one of the um, – was one mm-hmm. of the teams that couldn't give the full amount of money to the the team that they are broadcasting for. Ugh. Yeah, so it's all it's a mess. Tumultuous times, as it <laughs> were. Uh, but all we could do is really wait and see. And in the meantime, as pitchers and catchers have reported, we have the not only spring training to look forward to, but the World Baseball Classic coming up. And with Nestor Cortez of the New York Yankees um, stepping away from the World Baseball Classic due to an injury, Kyle Freeland has been added to Team USA's roster and will pitch in round one of the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. Uh, how are you feeling about K-Free being on the uh, national stage a little bit more? Well, I know we talked about it a little bit, you know, and his, his uh, sports agency, his agents, no, they're kind of upset that he had initially committed to the team oh, very early on. He was like one of the first that I remember seeing that, oh, Kyle Freeland's committed to Team USA. We're like, yes. Yeah, he was one of the no, first land pitchers. of the free. And then when the initial rosters are announced, he's not on there. And they're like, yeah, they were. we wish they were more transparent about this. It's so like Mark DeRosa and company kind of did him dirty. And then, you know, it kind of all works out, evens out. There's, of course, going to be changes and oddly enough not too long later Nestor Cortez tweaks his hamstring and immediately Freeland's back on no and he probably would have been back on if Clayton Kershaw who I think is off now because of insurance issues so he would have been there either way but it's good to see him get that recognition and no we got a lot of Rockies in the WBC and now we are back to two pitchers on Team USA with Daniel Bard anchoring it down in the bullpen as well so it's good for Kyle. Good to see him on that stage. He is heart and soul of the Rockies. No, he's been coming out with a lot of comments, interviews here in the early goings of spring training. And it's good to see him growing into that vocal leader. Oh, and he's going to take that same hustle over to Team USA, play with some really good guys over there that he doesn't really ever get to talk to, pick their brains. Oh, and I think it's going to be a good experience for him leading into this season. Yeah, there are a lot of really talented pitchers on that roster. And it's also really cool to get him not only to pitch with current teammate Daniel Bard, but he gets to be reunited with former teammate Nolan Arenado, which is really cool. But it really is, I really like him and Daniel Bard being on this roster because they are really the the two veteran pitcher presences on this team. And we've seen Kyle, like you said, develop into this real vocal leader now that he's got his long-term contract, now that he really is a veteran with the team, he's 29 years old right now and really developed. You see him give these comments like, we can't be okay with losing. We need to do better. Mm -hmm. I need to do better. Taking responsibility for both himself and for the team. And I am really, really excited to watch him play for Team USA. It's a really cool honor. He definitely deserves it. Yeah. It's nice because it's it gives that extra competitive edge because it's not like spring training where they're going to come in. Oh, I'm just going to work on this one thing. No, they're coming in. These guys are committed to winning. Yeah. Uh, the goal they're going to take win. it seriously. Yeah. They're going to take this seriously. It's not, I'm going to go out there and you know, work on my change up this game. 
and everything. No, it's, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put out my best stuff. No. And I feel like the WVC is a, yeah, there's the worry about injuries and everything. Um, that's what, but black's worried about. And I think I'm sure all the other organizations, but these players are, it's good to see them be so t- tuned into this and committed to it. And I think Kyle's going to you know do good, whether he's going to get to start or if he's going to be one of those long relievers, you know, be a piggyback and everything, but it, it's going to be exciting to see him go up against some of the best in the world. And it really is. That's what makes it such a bummer uh, that Herman Marquez, unfortunately, will be mm-hmm. unable to join Team Venezuela for round one of the World Baseball Classic, much like Nestor Cortez Jr. He tweaked his hamstring and has been sort of pulled off that roster just for purposes of making sure it doesn't get worse or anything like that. And that's such a shame because you have these guys who are so excited to be representing their country on an international stage for an event that hasn't taken place since 2017. It's been six Mm -hmm. years and it was supposed to happen in, was it, was it 2021 where it was supposed to happen and 2020 or something like that. Yeah. And now all these guys again have this opportunity and they're so excited to represent their country and Erman, unfortunately won't be able to, he's still working out. Uh, He's taken some, some pitching sessions with the team at um, in Arizona right now. And there is a chance that he will be able to play if Venezuela advance advances to round two. Uh, So I'm really, really hoping that's the case for him because I definitely want him to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, and that's what I love to see is now how committed, like we were saying, how committed these guys are for it and excited about it because it's not like with the Olympics, which are hardly ever, we're in the Japan Olympics that have been the first time in like years and years. And so, and that's in the middle of the season. So a lot of these guys don't get to participate for their countries in that event, but the WBC that's, that's their Olympics. It's before the season, a lot more guys can come into it. No. And so I'm sure it is just really tough when you have to know are committed, ready to go. And then something happens and you have to pull out, um, Hopefully, you no know, Venezuela gets that second round, and Herman's feeling better, and he can go join them and everything. But first and foremost, it is we want him healthy and to to get ready for the for the regular season because that's when we really need him. Definitely, and we wish the best of luck to all of our Rockies who are uh, representing their countries in the World Baseball Classic. As we mentioned before, Daniel Bard and Kyle Freeland representing Team USA. Uh, Pitcher Jake Bird will be representing Team Israel. Elias Diaz will be representing Team Colombia. Justin Lawrence will be representing Team Panama. Alan Trejo will be representing Team Mexico. And uh, Bam Bam Yolens is the manager of Team Netherlands. And uh, the Hartford Yard Goats manager, Chris Donofria, is going to be on the coaching staff for um, Team Italy. And then I think there's another Rockies minor leaguer, Michael Peterson, who's going to be on Team Great Britain. So lots of Rockies representation in on these teams. And we've also got former Rockies. Nolan Arenado's on Team USA. Uh, Adam Ottavino is pitching for Team USA as well, though he was originally committed to Team Italy. And uh, Jolice Chassin is pitching for Team Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good to see. That's what I love about the sport. But the Rockies is just an international sport. You get so many different you know, heritages and cultures. 
man, it's cool to see that put out on display or you'll see a guy pop up in team. You're like, Oh, I didn't know he was no Italian (laughs) or like the one for great Britain. I was like, Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's really neat because you, you get these announcements, you go, huh? I had no idea because the rules are basically for most countries, you need to have either a parent or grandparent who is from that country um, Mm. or something like that. And it's, it's really cool to, you know, find out who's representing what I really, I really love it. I love the world baseball classic. It's one of my favorite events. I'm really looking forward to it and, uh, you know, wishing the best of luck to all of our Rockies representation. Yeah. Should be good. Should be good stuff. The last thing we sort of want to talk about before we take a break here, the Rockies 30th anniversary is this season. It's less than two months away. And we've really not heard that much about it. There's not been a whole lot from Rocky's Twitter or social media. There's not been a whole Mm -hmm. lot from the team as a whole. Uh, Occasionally, you will see the 30th anniversary logo that they'll be wearing as a patch pop up on some letterhead or on some announcements. But And I wrote about this a week or so ago. It's very strange how little so far the Rockies have tried to really advertise and hype up what is a really big milestone for this organization, especially after in 2018, when we did the 25th anniversary, they went like all expenses, uh, no expense spared, completely did everything they absolutely could. Tons of advertising, tons of giveaways. They brought in all these players. They did all these events. And we really don't have any of that so far. The Rockies actually have their uh, current promotional schedule out, and it's very sparse. It's one of the smallest in the league so far, where there are currently six giveaway items. There is a schedule magnet on opening day. There is a 30th anniversary pennant on opening weekend. There will be two packs of baseball cards, a trucker hat, a towel, and a light bulb. That's it. I'm going for that light bulb. That's I, the thing. Think, when I'm going to a baseball game, I want a light bulb. And I don't think the light bulb even really counts as a giveaway because they've done this for the last couple of years where I think it's Excel Energy or something is doing like, take a light bulb and plug it in. And if it turns green, then maybe you win something. Oh, they and, give it away like after the game too. Yeah. So it's as you're leaving the ballpark, they'll give you a light bulb. And so it's it's really weird because of all of that, only three uh, items are even 30th anniversary related. It's the pennant. It's one of the packs of baseball cards and it's the trucker hat. Mm. And it's just so, so strange. And what do you think about this? This, this total lack of, of hype towards such an important milestone. Yeah, it it is definitely interesting and kind of confusing that there hasn't been no more fanfare leading up to the season. Obviously, still they're probably still figuring out you know, sponsors for promotions, who wants to do what, what kind of bobbleheads, because there's always going to be bobbleheads. But it, it, it's a little interesting that there isn't more hype or kind of championing that a little bit more. You know, yeah, we'll see the logo and everything, but why hasn't there, you know, during this offseason, why haven't they been sharing more you know, like they did during the lockout or during the pandemic of showing uh, Rocky's classics up on YouTube. No, I'm not sure what they're doing on their channel because again, I don't get that channel anymore, but showing more classic games, no showing 
history, getting retrospectives, you know, more interviews showing, hey, Eric Young Jr., talk about the opening day home or the home run, leadoff home run at Mile High Stadium and everything. And so hopefully they surprise us and there's a lot more during the season. But right now they're not doing a whole lot to really get you excited. And it's kind of hard when you're coming off of four straight losing seasons. Maybe they're a little hesitant of the backlash of if they say something like, we're celebrating 30 years of Rockies baseball. And just as we're all familiar with, full of comments saying, sell the team type of thing. So it, it could be that they just feel, no, they're going to pull back a little bit until the season starts to start pushing that stuff, maybe. Maybe. And you definitely hope that they're going to add some more stuff. It's very odd to me that there's zero bobbleheads on the promotional schedule right now. And you've got to figure that they're going to add some as, as time goes on, but there's really not that much time left until opening day. Uh, home opener at Coors Field is on April 6th, a Thursday, which is super weird because it's almost always a Friday. And spring training starts in like a week, week and a half. Pitchers and catchers have reported the the Twitter account's been much more active, posting pictures and videos from uh, the Rockies complex at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. And I, I get that maybe they're worried about backlash, but you're going to get that backlash anyway. Mm-hmm. And just jump in. You you might as well. And it's really, I I really do wonder how much of it has to do with how much backlash and how much the uh, the organization, the ownership and front office especially, have shied away from the press and become even more insular and reclusive since mm-hmm. the Nolan Arenado trade, where this team really does not do press conferences after and since after the Nolan Arenado trade with the amount of backlash they got. You really don't get Dick Monfort or Bill Schmidt or anyone talking publicly. And so yeah, or when they do, it's really canned answers. Yeah. And you know, the most you get is Dick Monfort doing his whatever in Greeley, the Friends of Baseball breakfast or whatever it was called. And that's not really, you can't really consider that as much as he might talk about the organization during that. That's not a press conference. That's not an actual thing. And I don't know. I'm I'm really, really hoping that we'll get a little bit more as the weeks go on. I think now that Bud Black has been extended, now that pitchers and catchers are there, they really need to, especially if they want fans to be excited when we've had four straight losing seasons, they really need to put that pedal to the metal in terms of advertising and trying to actually hype up this season. I get it that the Rockies aren't expected to be particularly good, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to get people interested. Mm-hmm. And and something that I think of that has always sticks with me, and this is something that our pal Drew Creaseman said um, on a podcast once um, prior to where he's now at Mile High Sports, but it was something about like talking about how the Rockies don't aren't very good at celebrating their history very well, because um, he said it, it just feels like Dick Monfort doesn't want to do anything that's going to pull the attention away from him because he wants to be the face and celebrated one of the Colorado Rockies. And Good luck with that. That's what it it feels. That's what it feels like sometimes. That everything he does is to try and put. No, he wants to be the face of the Rockies, 
Now, yes, they'll celebrate players here and there, but what are the se- what we only hear about the 2007 season that happened when they went to the World Series? Yeah, that's great. What have you done since? But then we talk about there's no Hall of Fame for the Rockies. They don't have their own personal Hall of Fame. We talked about this in Slack. You pointed out the Tampa Bay Rays have one now, and they've been around less time than us. And so they're not doing a good job of servicing their history. No, there's tons of pitchers, great guys. You know, that's what I loved about doing my little side project of every Rocky ever over on Twitter is seeing these guys like, yeah, there was some, there were some stinkers in there, but then you look at the names that guys that were here for like five, six, seven years. And no, they had, there were respectable Rockies. No, they weren't flashy ones, but they were respectable. But then there's so many other stars we've had. Andres Galarraga, oh, Brad Hopp. We've had Garrett Atkins, Matt Holliday. Oh, tons of, there's been pitchers spread in there as well, other position players. And we're not doing a good job. The 30th season, you should be celebrating teams from every you know, generation, every year that has played for the Rockies. And you could easily do that. You know who you, they really don't talk about that much? This is the 1995 team, the first exactly. ever National League wildcard team that had mm-hmm. a ton of really amazing players on it. Or they don't really talk as much as they should about Don Baylor. And Tyler, you're doing an excellent retrospective on the life and career of Don Baylor over at purplerow.com. And Big Don was such a crucial part of the formation of this team, of the personality developing of mile-high baseball. And they don't really talk about him. They don't really celebrate him like he should. Personally, I think the number 25 should be up right next to 17 and 33 because of how important Big Don Baylor was to the groove of the early Colorado Rockies. Mm -hmm. and Or even like at least put his initials up there, like Kelly McGregor. Yeah, do do something. And it, it really is, they focus on that 2007 team so much when there have been so many interesting and great players in these hallowed halls of baseball here in Denver that don't get talked about nearly enough. Like Pedro Ostasio is such an underlooked pitcher. He was named to the uh, the All-25 uh, team in 2018, but I feel like we could talk about him more or even even Jeff Francis or Josh Fogg or these other pitchers could definitely get more showing or um, heck even uh, Jason Jennings, other guys Mm -hmm. like that. And you just think of how easy it would be of promotions throughout the season. There's the weekend promotion. Hey, we're going to have members of the 1995 team. No, we're going to have some of those guys come, you know, you would get tons of fans to come to those. Think if you're not going to be many seats, you would fill. If you go this Sunday, Andres Galarraga will be our pregame guest, a guy who mm-hmm. we really haven't seen much of since he retired. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. he, and he's and definitely how... entitled to his privacy and his personal life. But I feel like that's a call you could make. Hey, big cat, you think you can come out here for a weekend? Yeah. And how inspirational with with his battles against cancer and things as well. No, there's so many things you could do. How amazing would it be, hey, we're going to have Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez together on this weekend come and you know, celebrate their careers with the Rockies. 
that would be amazing. That would also take some interpersonal conflict management. To Which we've been saying they've been Tulo needing to do for years now is mend mm-hmm. that bridge with Tulo. Yeah, and like get those two. Or here comes, you no, know, Ubaldo Jimenez. We're going to celebrate him and celebrate his 2010 season. Oh, the no hitter and everything. Jorge De La Rosa, here he is. Aaron Cook, you know, celebrate these guys. Yes, they're not Hall of Famers. They're not big, you know, superstars in the game of baseball, some of these guys. But they're superstar Rockies that are instrumental and important parts of the team's history. You know, and, and it's it feels like a disservice and dis kind of disrespectful and disloyal as much as this organization preaches we're loyal we care about our guys you're not showing that you care about these former players unless their name is larry walker or todd helton you know there's so many more that we could be doing no that again i self-promotion of that twitter account of every rock ever there's so many guys everybody has a story or a favorite player that might be obscure and we should celebrate them. These were big leaguers that endured Colorado. <laughs> and that's something to celebrate in and of itself. Some of them were really successful, too. Jeff Cirillo, still one of my favorite guys, sort of a lesser known, not particularly long tenured Rocky. Or even, heck, I still have affection for Mike Hampton, even if that was, you know, a bad contract in retrospect. Mike Hampton was cool. He was so yeah. cool. He hits like one home runs. Yeah. Where's Juan Pierre? Why don't we do more with Juan Pierre? No, Dexter Fowler, who just retired. Bring him back. Bring bring back members of that 2009 team. Manny Corpus, Brian Fuentes. Mm -hmm. There's so many. And like you're saying, it feels a disservice to not have like a fan fest or more of these promotions to celebrate 30 years as an organization yes the fact there's that there been was no fan fest for the 30th anniversary is just mm-hmm. a crime in my opinion and this team needs to do better like you said for all they preach about loyalty and cherishing their history we don't really look back past 2007 at all we mm-hmm. no fan fest this year no rockies museum like they promised no rockies hall of fame like they promised where is it do better and and mm-hmm. make the fans care because mm-hmm. you can fight out if like a team that stinks and is going to have a rough time like the Rockies the way you combat that is giving them reasons to want to come to the ballpark and still a 30th anniversary is prime come celebrate these players enjoy this baseball game hopefully we'll win it if not you still had this awesome experience yeah. if not you had a cool experience out of it but yeah, we'll see if the Rockies decide to do anything uh, more to promote the 30th anniversary season as the weeks go on. Hopefully I'm proven wrong here and they do something. But we are going to take a quick break here. When we come back, it's time to talk pitchers and catchers reporting. It's time to talk Ooh. actual baseball. Ooh. So we will see you in just a minute. And welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that break. We're going to go ahead and mosey right along here. Talk about some actual baseball. Pitchers and catchers officially reported for duty on Wednesday the 15th. And 
we are really looking forward to things getting actually underway. We've got some video footage from Arizona of our pitchers and catchers dutifully going through the motions. And are there any pitchers that you are really excited to see going into spring training? Guys that you think we should be looking out for? Uh, I think for me, it's more or less looking at our already established guys. How are our starting pitchers going to you know, pan out? Because as of right now, it's Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Jose Urania, Austin Gomber, and Ryan Feltner are kind of the five that are locked in at the moment. And so it's going to be how does that rotation kind of fill out? Do we get any upsets? Maybe Austin Gomber gets outperformed by somebody else and he's going to get put back in the bullpen or something. So that's the big storyline that I'm watching this spring training. How are our starting pitchers or the starting pitching hopefuls panning out this spring? Because that was what was once a strength was one of the biggest weaknesses last year. Yeah, the... um the starting rotation depth is going to be, I think, really boomer bust in terms of how this season's going to go. Mm-hmm. Because Antonio Senzatella is not going to come back till about May. Hopefully, you know, he's still going to have rehab time, rehab games up in there. So it's going to be a while. So you can't really bank on him. You got to have this solid, solid depth and some of the guys that they brought in aren't necessarily starting pitchers, at least from the left-hand side. They have a couple of righties that they brought in of non-roster invitees and a couple of the youngsters that they're bringing on. But Peter Lambert's still down for a little bit. They're going to be monitoring him, but he's not really ready to go. Ryan Rollison's not ready to go here this spring. So what's that depth? How's it going to pan out in the early goings? And who follows after Jose Urania, who I expect throw him in as a number three or number four starter. So I think they did say that uh, Peter Lambert is expected to be a full participant this spring, though you do really, really have to watch him closely after Mm -hmm. he hasn't pitched regularly in like two, two and a half seasons because he Mm -hmm. had Tommy John and then he was shut down last year for further inflammation and then irritation in that pitching arm. And we're not really sure how that's going to go. You have Ryan Rawlison, who again has barely pitched in two years due to multiple injuries. It really is going to fall to, well, how's Jose Arania going to look? How's Ryan Feltner going to look? And, you know, Arania did okay as like our number six and fill in guy. Once Antonio Sensatela went down last season. But the fact that he's now looking to be maybe our number three mm-hmm. is a little bit of a concern. And then you have yeah. guys like Austin Gomber, where you know Bud Black has said that Gomber's goal is to retake his rotation spot. But he really had a tough season last year where he was just not the same pitcher as he was in the majority of the 2021 season, where he really looked pretty good until he went on the injured list. And then he came back from the injured list and then had that, uh, that back fracture, that pars defect. And mm-hmm. we just really don't know how he's going to do after how he struggled last year. Ryan Feltner shows flashes. He's still pretty young. I'd say he's got the most potential of the guys in um, that are going to be rotation hopefuls, but you never know if anybody's even going to be supplanted. 
with lefties, guys who can start that are raw, not non-roster invites. We've got Logan Allen and Ty Block. We know what Ty Block is capable of, um, but he's capable of starting and doing long relief. Logan Allen was fairly solid with AAA Albuquerque last year, but still has some some work to be done. Uh, former top prospect, I believe, of the was it Cleveland? Was Logan Allen probably something like that? We really don't have a lot of guys who are ready to fill in and start. And that was one of the things that we were hoping that the organization was going to do this offseason, and and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So outside of, of the five that you mentioned, and then Logan Allen and Ty Block, you've got Jeff Criswell, who is probably going to start in AAA. He's probably not big league ready. You've got Carl Kaufman, who... I think he's going to do really well this year, but I think he's going to do really well in AAA Albuquerque. Kaufman's one of the guys that I'm really high on because of how we've tested him since he started his professional career, where they threw him basically straight into AA Hartford, and he really, really struggled the first year. And then last year in AA Hartford, he was great. But then when they elevated to uh, him to AAA Albuquerque, he really, really struggled again. But he's proven that he can make those adjustments. So if you throw him into AAA Albuquerque again this year, I think he's going to do really well. But he's just not big league ready, especially with him needing to get those walks down. And you've got Noah Davis, who is on the 40-man roster, but he only made one appearance at the very end of the season last year and has a very small resume above AA. Um, there's just not a lot of starting depth here. And it really makes you wonder, well, what are they going to do? Because other guys who can start who are on the 40-man roster are pretty few and far between. Blair Calvo, um, who is on the 40, mostly is a reliever. Uh, Denelson Lamette has started before, but he was mostly a reliever last year. And the organization says they view him as a reliever going forward. Riley Pint has officially made the full conversion from starter to reliever since he returned to the organization. And then really the only other guy you've got is Connor Siebold, who mm-hmm. we acquired this offseason after he was placed on waivers by the Boston Red Sox. And he had a very limited sample size at the big league level last year and struggled pretty hard. It wasn't good. <laughs> he's He's got potential. A lot of these guys have potential, but I really can't point to any of them and go, you, you're big league ready. You're a, mm-hmm. you're a hopeful for this rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like when you're low on groceries and then you're just kind of mm-hmm. looking at your cupboard or in your fridge and you're like, well, I guess I'm eating a fr- this frozen corn dog that I don't know how long it's been in here, but. We'll give it a try. I just really don't want to go to the store right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's either this or I'm eating that. I'm having another ham sandwich. And <laughs> that that's the tough part is, yeah, they made a lot of these, these moves that were good building depth moves, but they're like break glass in case of emergency type of moves of just kind of abide you until you can find something better. No, they're little snacks that you can find no one of the other starting pitchers uh, kind of starting pitcher tj zook or however you say his last name i think he has some starting experience too and so there's but like you're pointing out there's not a lot of yes this guy's gonna if somebody goes down that's who i want to fill in 
it's more or less see how guys are performing in triple a Albuquerque and whoever has the lowest ERA year coming up. <laughs> Except even then, uh, Jose Arena, when then we called like, him up in relief, had like a 764 or something ERA in yeah. AAA Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's the way they look at it is like, well, can he throw some strikes? Okay, let's call him up. So that's going to be the big worry this year, starting pitching again like it was last year because most of the starting pitchers were anticipating and hoping for. They're still down you know, double A at the highest for a lot of them that we're really watching. And some of them haven't even cracked that yet. So the spring change is going to be a lot of, okay, can, who do we have that can start and be an effective starter? Yeah. Noah Davis, Connor Siebold, those guys on your 40 man, they have starting experience. I feel like it's going to be them battling each other out. No, just trying to establish themselves in the depth chart at the moment, maybe not big league ready, but who's going to get the call as soon as somebody's struggling enough or somebody gets injured, who's going to get the call after that. And, and I think, I think they're really banking on hoping that Rawlison and Lambert are finally going to be ready, but that's just such a dangerous proposition when the two of them have barely pitched over the last two years with all mm-hmm. these injuries where you start to wonder if Rollin Rollison is ever going to be ready or if Lambert's even going to be remotely the same after all of the issues he's had with his arm. And that's not, that's not the basket that you want to put all your ducks in right now, especially they made a decent chunk of pitching moves. It's just that so many of these pitching moves bolster the bullpen. It's like you have Brent Suter and Pierce Johnson, both bullpen, Nick Mears, bullpen. Um, elevating these guys that they brought up, like Riley Pint, bullpen, Blair Calvo, bullpen, uh, Gavin Hollowell, bullpen. So I just, it's really frustrating because there's, this has been a clear need for several years now of making sure that we have starting quality, starting pitching depth. And we just don't still. I think the one thing that we saw in the offseason that really hurt the Rockies with the starting pitcher department, because I'm sure they were probably looking for some more of those bargain pieces. But I think what happened is they got priced out of the market because starting pitchers, they were going at a premium on one, two-year deals of like double digits. And the Rockies, I don't think, were comfortable giving a pitcher you no know, $12 million for just one season. Now, even if it would have been no, a, a better pitcher than what they brought in. I don't think they wanted to pay that much. So I think that's yeah. where you follow. They went to back to the bargain bin, thrift shopping, looking for, oh, well, maybe we can revive this guy for a bit or get some innings out of him, find a diamond in the rough. So that that's kind of the, the hard part is the way the market went, they didn't follow suit with it. And so they had to stick with, well, we're going to give some of these uh, – we're going to br- give Fernando Abada a chance to pitch in the bullpen uh, and bring back tie block, things like that. So that that starting rotation, starting pitching is still a big worry. And like we said, they have their reinforcements, but they can't bank on all those guys down in – no, what was it, up in AA or AAA or that are hanging out down in, in high A Spokane – they can't just sit on their hands and wait for those guys to come 
Now you got to support the team in the meantime and bring in some good talent. If you have a chance to get good talent, they should bring it in. But unfortunately they didn't. So we're stuck with seeing who can do, who can become that guy during spring training. And I get it that like, well, I mean, I don't like it. But the Rockies don't want to spend a premium on pitching, but there was premium pitching to be had. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were probably never going to get Carlos Rodon as much as I wanted him, but there were guys out there to get. Mm-hmm. And Michael Walker, who just barely signed with the Padres, he could have been a guy that they got. Yeah. Anybody just to bolster that starting depth. And now you, you're really going to put pressure on guys like Noah Davis or Ryan Rawlison and, and, and Peter Lambert, guys who are probably not ready. Like, we'll see how they do in spring training, but I just really don't see any of them being ready for the big time here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And luckily that's what spring training's for, but if somebody is outperforming another, they're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know, if somebody has proven themselves, I'm ready to pitch at the big league level, give him the opportunity, even if it means you have to cut some weight. You know, they were already doing a good job, did a good job of that this offseason. Carry it into spring training and into crafting the opening day roster. If somebody is an absolute lights-out bullpen arm over one of the more established guys out there, you know, as much as we love some of them, you got to put out your best product uh, if you want to get ready to compete you know, this season or the next season or the season after that. You got to put your best people forward instead of, hey, you did a really good job. Have fun in AAA. You can't do that. Yeah, and there's also there's also still time for them to try and make some moves. You got a little under two months until opening day. See if you can make any moves to bring in starting pitching mm-hmm. depth. Yeah. Like pretty close to the the start of the season last year is when we traded right Tapia for Randall Gritchick. You can swing those kinds of trades still during spring training, mm-hmm. but stop getting corner outfielders. Yeah. And what corner was, infielders. Was one big trade that we, we made a couple trades this offseason. And almost all of them were for minor league pitching. And it's great that we're bolstering our minor league pitching depth, but we need some major league pitching depth too. And we made a we made a trade with the Cleveland Guardians. We traded second baseman Juan Brito, my my boy Juan Brillante, and got another corner infielder, corner outfielder. <laughs> Can never have enough. Uh, apparently. They're like Pringles. Just we have one you just can't stop. Yeah, and then you get your you get your hands stuck in the can. Can't get it well, out. That's when you get that's when you send that weird long-nosed dog in after it. <laughs> Effective by Altitude is here for all of your Borzoi reference needs and that that really weird meme that was around for like a week. I knew it for you. <laughs> but but I, I like what you're saying, though, is there were opportunities for pitching. They tried their best. But in order to maybe try to get some more established big league pitching, it would have taken you – no, know, the closest they came maybe was trading Brendan Rodgers. And that deal probably didn't get very far with the Marlins. But it was at least nice that they were talking about that kind of thing, even though Cabrera for over 
for the Marlins isn't you know, a, a several-year big league veteran had a good rookie season or a good first season, not exactly the established talent that you'd want at this point. Well, and but the Marlins were also proving that they were willing to part with other pitchers, guys like Pablo Lopez, who had mm-hmm. an amazing season last year. Mm-hmm. And, and they traded him for a second baseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it, it did cost him too that they, uh, what was it? They also had to send a a uh, a couple of prospects, the higher end prospects too, to bring in Arias from and you know the, the Rockies. Twins cling very tightly to their prospects. And that's the tough thing is a guy like Peter Lambert maybe should have been, you can't do anything with him right now because he's just damaged. I hate to say it kind of the perception of damaged goods of just injuries have limited him from pitching. And so there's little to no value there. Same with Ryan Rollison. Maybe you could have traded them when they were a little bit higher prospects but now you're kind of, well, we'll see what we can get out of them. And if nothing happens, then maybe we'll have to cut that weight. Well, it's, and the issue with the Rockies clinging so hard to all their prospects is that we have a bunch of redundancies when it comes to certain positions. Like we have so many corner infield people. We have Michael Toglia, Grant Levine, Elaris Montero. All three of those guys are first basemen. Like mm-hmm. you can call Lars Montero a third baseman, but he just does not have the defensive range for that position. So he's, he really is going to be a first baseman or a DH. And all three of those guys are going to be at spring training this year. Two of them are on the 40 man roster and we're not really sure what's, what's going to happen with them where only one guy can be the everyday first baseman. Once CJ Crone leaves. Mm-hmm. And it could be one of those things, like we saw with Raimel Tapia, where we're just kind of wondering, well, I, where's Tapia? Why hasn't he played in a spring training game yet? Oh, it's because they're working on trading him. <laughs> so maybe we'll get some indications there of, well, maybe if some time elapses and you know, we're seeing all the other regulars playing, but CJ Crone, where is he? Oh, he's getting traded to such and such team for a pitcher. Okay. Yeah, so I don't think we're going to trade CJ just because they've already had him in a couple tweets and they've already shown that he's reported to Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't have the the delays like Tapia did either. So we'll see. But it's if the Rockies want to even be a close to 500 team this year, like Dick Monfort says, we can be that starting pitching depth needs to be addressed. And they just mm-hmm. haven't done that so far. So we'll wait and we'll see what happens. We have a bunch of guys who are non-roster invitees for spring training. Left-handers, Fernando Abad, Logan Allen, Ty Block, and Josh Rogers. Right-handers, Jeff Criswell, Stephen Jones, Carl Kaufman, Matt Koch, Phillips Valdez. Uh, Case Williams is a very cool non-roster invite. But I think he's probably going to start the season in double A AA or triple A. Because he's mm-hmm. he's really sort of rocketed up the the minor leagues, but he's another one of those guys like Noah Davis and Kevin Hollowell who really don't have much upper minor league experience. And I think throwing him to the Wolves uh, in big league, unless he absolutely kills it in spring training, of like, mm-hmm. holy cow, this guy's knocking our socks off. 
you can't put him on the opening mm-hmm. day roster unless he shows you he's well and truly ready. And if he does, hey, cool. That would be <laughs> awesome. I love Case Williams. But I just don't think he will because he still needs more experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing with a lot of these guys. They just need more experience. They're the and the big leaguers that are there. Their experience, the results of their experience, haven't been very good and don't <laughs> inspire much hope. So it is what it is. Very last thing we will talk about today. Talk a little bit about catchers because it is pitchers and catchers reporting, not just pitchers. Uh, Behind Dustin Garneau as the catching coordinator, we have a bunch of non-roster invitees uh, for catchers coming to spring training this year. That is uh, Braxton Fulford, Hunter Goodman, Willie McIver, Jonathan Morales, Ronaiker Palma, and Drew Romo. And do you think any of these guys have a chance to unseat Brian Servin as the backup catcher this year? At the moment, probably not. Uh, And it's the same thing we're talking about with pitchers. A lot of these guys don't have a lot of upper minor league experience yet. I think Willie McIver might have the most, along with Jonathan Morales, who I think has some big league experience. But other than that, everybody else is still fairly in the younger bottom half uh, that are invites to the big league camp. But I think Brian Servin's got that locked down pretty good, or he cemented himself, you know, fairly decent, you know, receiver. Showed his time with the bat. So I think he's got it locked down as the backup behind Elise Diaz. But it's going to be interesting to see who can, you know, same with that pitching kind of establish themselves there in that depth chart of if one of those guys goes down, who's going to get the call. And I saw there's an article, I think out of the the Gazette, Danielle Allen Tuck was writing about it or one of these reporters is talking about it, that if one of those guys goes down, I think the Rockies are kind of trying to figure out who's going to be the next one up. Who's going to be the next man up, whether do they have to go outside and bring in a veteran presence you know Gary Sanchez is still out there he could be an option but if one of those guys goes down who's going to be the next man up do they go outside to have to bring in a veteran for a little bit while the other catcher recuperates or do they hand it down to you know bring up a guy like Willie McIver or someone because they don't have many catchers on the 40 man I think that's the big thing yeah and with Dom Nunez they finally parted ways with him uh, this offseason, he took a minor league deal with the Cubs and uh, Tony Walters, just to, just to reference him, signed a minor league deal with the Minnesota Twins. It really is interesting that Gary Sanchez is still a free agent. Like, mm-hmm. if he's still a free agent, I am very curious as to why the Rockies wouldn't try and bring him in. Yeah, or any team, because the, he had a good year with the Twins. It was yeah. one of his better years, a solid year with the Twins. His batting average is horrendous, but the power's there. And he was actually and, better defensively last season than he had been with the Yankees for a little bit. Yeah, and, and in fact, even better than Elias Diaz in a lot of catching categories last year. Yeah, Diaz and, had, a, had a tough season last year. Yeah, and, and so they're kind of on par. And Gary Sanchez, you bring him in as a power-hitting catcher, who can you know, fairly decent catching. I, I think the defense is his biggest 
the biggest holdup for him as a free agent. And that's especially for the Rockies. They need good catchers who can make their pitchers better because what is the catcher, but more or less the pitching coach out there as well. But if it's been this long and we're this close to spring training and he still isn't signed, I feel like you could get him for cheap enough that it's not going to be as big a risk, even with if his Mm -hmm. defense takes another step back where you, you need to kick the tires on that because Mm -hmm. the only two catchers on the 40 man roster are at least Diaz and Brian servant. For the first time in a very long time, we only have those two two catchers on the roster. Everybody else is a uh, non-roster invitee. And, and like we said, Braxton Fulford has not played above high A. Um, Hunter Goodman uh, got promoted to Hartford last season. Willie McIver got promoted to AAA Albuquerque last season. Jonathan Morales, mostly AAA. I believe you're right in that he does have some big league experience. Roniker Palma and Drew Romo both have not played above high A. I believe Reniker Palma hasn't played above low A. I think he spent the season last year with low A Fresno. And so mm-hmm. it's really interesting to come in and bring in these guys and take a look. But it's like you said, I also don't think any of these guys are going to present an immediate case to be on the opening day roster. I love Willie McIver. He's one of my favorite guys, but he really has a lot of work to do with the bat before he is big league ready. He has not done particularly well offensively in AAA. Uh, Hunter Goodman, I find really fascinating, but you don't want to rush him any more than he already has because he zoomed straight up to AA last year, and he's shown some incredible power potential with that bat. But defensively, he's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's really cool about um, Goodman, though, is that he also plays outfield. He played outfield in uh, high school and college, and this offseason, the Rockies have worked on adding outfield back to his repertoire. He reminds me a lot in a very good way of Dalton Varsho, who the Diamondbacks traded to the um, the Blue Jays this offseason. And mm-hmm. I think he's got potential, but I, I think he's just another guy who's just not ready. Yeah, and that's mostly – and we look at that list. Drew Romo, he's the future we're seeing. But like we said, he hasn't played above high A yet. So he'll probably end the season in AAA next year. And who knows? Maybe come around September, he pulls a Michael Tolia, gets called up to the big leagues, uh, and gets some action at the end of the season, which that, that'd be exciting. But nobody else on there is really, well, if we get in a pinch, this is who we really want. You're going to have to figure out who can who communicates well with the catchers, who's showing it with the bat, and who's the best defensively. If they're all kind of on the same plane defensively, it's going to come down who can hit, too. The Rockies, they struggle there in the catching department when it comes to offense. Diaz had a good year in 2021. Last year was not as good. He struggled a lot last year on both sides of the ball. And and Brian Servin started off hot, and then he kind of petered out by the end. So there's a lot that they need to do, and and catching is – such a hard position to fill and get a good player at. There's only so many JT Romutos or Salvador Perez's out there. Or this is actually Rushman's. why I advocated for bringing back Tony Walters, where he was a free agent, and 
if you're not going to be able to get a lot of offense out of the catcher position, you can at least get a good defensive catcher who's really, really good at working with the pitching staff, especially young guys. Um, and I hope he does really well on the Twins. But I legitimately was thinking, like, hey, maybe we should bring back Tony. But it's another one of those ones where we have a lot of potential depth options who are probably definitely not ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those those pizzas aren't cooked yet. There's a lot of frozen pizzas in that in that in that group, and it's going to take some time. And this time, at least they can get familiar. Uh, you're going to need as many catchers as you can get in spring training anyway to give guys rest and get guys reps. I'm surprised they didn't kind of anticipate bringing back Carlos Perez again, but I think he was mostly a DH with Albuquerque last year. He led the team in home runs. He had like 30-something. So a really good year offensively, but again, I think he was more of a DH and not as much of a catcher. He played some first that base would, as well. Yeah. So that would have been like, that could be one of the veterans. Like, hey, we're, we're familiar with him in the organization. Well, Brian Servin's gone down. We need a backup. We don't really want to rush any of these guys onto our 40-man. Something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Dustin Garneau's got his work cut out for him. Lots of, lots of young guys who need some conditioning and who need to be prepared for their futures here. And mm-hmm. we picked a great guy for it. I think Dustin Garneau is going to be really, really great as our catching game coordinator. Um if you have a chance to check it out, there was a really great article on the Rockies MLB blog a little bit ago about his approach to working with minor league catchers and how he wants to use analytics to prepare these young guys. Definitely worth a read. Uh, really happy that we brought him into the organization. But it's one of those ones where all we can really do is sort of wait and see if somebody's going to prove themselves in spring training or or something like that or maybe we do go out and we sign gary sanchez that'd be cool but it's one of those things where you never really know with this team Mm -hmm. we'll have to wait till the next breakfast when dick monfer announces the signing of gary sanchez i think he only does one of those a year though oh we'll make a breakfast event (laughs) is purple row having a breakfast event again we'll we'll bring him to that We'll, we'll drag Dick Monfort to the opening day breakfast and be like, all right, Dick, <laughs> speak. Just tell him breakfast, and he'll be like, all right, yeah. And then he'll say something that will get him a lot of backlash from the national baseball media. But hey, he'll be there, and he'll get some waffles. I went to breakfast burritos last year. They were pretty good. <clears throat> but I think that about does it for us on this episode of Affected by Altitude. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching us if you're on YouTube, listening to us if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast. Thanks for sticking with us with all the sort of uncertainty we've got going around, but we're really excited to be part of the Fans First Sports Network, and we will definitely keep you up to date with any sort of information we have. This is the time of year where the podcasts are going to start ramping up and becoming a little more frequent. You're not going to really be having to wait a month or so couple weeks or so in between episodes as we you know dust off our vocal cords and get ready for the actual season proper the plan for this season is to be a weekly podcast during the regular season again so look forward to that uh in the meantime skylar what are you working on and where can the people find you at 
Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at sideline underscore crowd. And it's mostly just uh, aside from looking for a job, uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, Purple Row articles, uh, Wednesday rock piles for me. Uh, this week, this Wednesday, I will be finishing up my full three part series about Don Baylor. We're going to talk about his coaching career. So I'll act, finally get to the Rockies content in the Don, life of Don Baylor. Uh, which has been a, a really, lot of fun. Really great job with those, by the way. Uh, special thanks to the Sabermetric Society and their wonderful articles full of information. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been working on. How about you, Evan? Uh, you can find me doing the Thursday rock piles on purplerow.com. Uh, I really don't know what I'm going to be having coming out this week, so uh, you'll find out. Stay tuned. And you can also catch me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. I would love to hear from you. Always talking baseball, hockey, the new XFL, shields up, go defenders. <laughs> and really, I'm always down to talk sports of any kind. And I'm really excited for baseball to finally be back. You can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. Um, as always, we look forward to hearing from you on any of these platforms and keep an eye out on uh, all the other great writers on www.purplerow.com. Always working hard to get out some great content there. Uh, every click matters. If you see an article you really like, please feel free to share it with the people in your circle. We would love to have some more eyes on our stuff. We really appreciate all the support that you have all have given us. And until next time, I think that's about going to do it for us here on Affected by Altitude. Skylar, would you please hit him with it? Farewell. Good night, Dewey. Good night.